Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 38, reading from the New Living Translation. Got a little nervous this morning. Was running that camera over there, and Pastor Jack started talking about compassion, and I kind of started to twitch and um, broke a cold sweat. Thought he was about to preach half of my sermon, and I only had like three or four hours to put something else together, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I just told him before service, I said, I might have just started to run a lap if he got too carried away this morning just so he would stop. But we didn't get that far, so that's all right. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through to 38, New Living Translation. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. Verse 32. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran along, ahead along the shore and got ahead of them to where they were going. So Jesus, he saw the huge crowd. And as he stepped from the boat, he had compassion on them. Look at your neighbor and say compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. We're in the desert, Jesus. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Jesus said, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I want to preach to you tonight from this topic, the compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ. Would you pray with me that God's word would enter into our hearts and our minds and that we would all leave changed tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word in every season. Lord, in every service and in every circumstance, your word remains true and your word remains powerful. And God, I just pray that as we look into your word, God, as we look through the scriptures and try to understand and, and glean from what you are trying to say to us tonight, God, I pray that this seed of the word, God, that it wouldn't fall by the wayside, but that it would fall on the good ground of our hearts tonight and bring forth fruit in its season. God, we're asking above everything else as we always do. God, we just ask that your kingdom would come in this house tonight. God, that your will will be done. We set aside our will. We set aside our agenda and our idea of what Sunday night service is gonna look like. And God, we just ask you to have your way tonight. And we pray it in the only saving name, in the matchless name. Would you say in Jesus' name tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. The compassion of Christ. Now, before we get into the scripture and kind of go through um, what we are going to talk about tonight, I want to talk about pets. Anybody have a pet? Raise your hand if you've got some sort of pet. I see hands high in the back corner over there. They are proud pet owners. Who has a dog? Dog? That's really the only pet that there is, so after that, nothing else really counts. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm treading lightly because pet lovers, they're, they're territorial, and I, you know, I want to get home tonight with, with my legs and my whole body intact, so I'm not making fun. Listen, I've, I've had some pets. I've had my fair share. I had a cat when I was young that had kittens. So we had like four, five, six, 12, 18 cats. There was a lot. I don't really remember. And I've had two dogs. Uh, cats are cool. 
I did love my cats, and uh, I had this one cat. Her name was Tia, and uh, I used to sleep on the top bunk, and she would jump from the floor, like, directly to the, to the top bunk. It was an amazing thing. And I was a kid, and I would just lay there, and she would lay on my chest on top of the blankets and purr and just stare at me. And, uh, but, like, when she was really got into purring and falling asleep, she would start to sink her claws into my chest. And so what was this nice, tender moment turned into a, a, t- a typical cat scenario, I guess, um, just kind of went off the rails. I love my cats, but I got to be honest, I, I, don't, I didn't like my cats the same way that I love my dog. I don't know what it is about a dog, but there's just something about, you know, coming home after a hard day at work or, you know, maybe it was a, a taxing day emotionally, mentally, whatever it is. It's like no matter what's going on, they greet you at the door, tail wagging, jumping on you, barking, not clawing into your chest while you're trying to sleep at night. It's like they have this sense where they can sense your emotions and, and feel what's going on in your life. Animals have this way of pulling on our heartstrings. And I don't think that anything makes this clearer than those really sad, somber videos that you see from animal rescue shelters. Let's play that clip. The animals in our life depend on us, and they do a lot of waiting, patiently waiting for us to come home, to go outside, or to play with them. They wait, and we deliver, greeting them with our love. But for the thousands of animals who are being abused or neglected right now, waiting means something different. They spend their entire lives waiting for a better life. Some wait for kindness and love. Some wait in darkness, hungry, cold, and afraid. All of these animals are waiting to be rescued. Will you help them today? Visit our website right now or call this number. Your $19 a month is all it takes to give an animal who's waiting the chance to feel safe and loved. Please don't let them wait any longer. Take action right now and donate just 63 cents a day. Your gift will rescue animals and save lives. And as our thanks, We'll send you this package with the photo of a rescued animal and our member magazine so you can see the lives you're saving every day. And because it's so urgent, if you call or join online in the next 10 minutes, we'll also send you this one-of-a-kind t-shirt. Unlike the animals in our life, the ones who have no one to love them can't wait much longer. So please, don't wait another minute to help them. Go online or call with your monthly gift right now. Isn't that just so touching? And I am not neglecting the fact that we need those sorts of services, and I think it's terribly sad. But it's just like, you know, maybe you're a kid and you're just, you're just watching... SpongeBob SquarePants, or, or you're, you're going through YouTube and, and just listening to this nice worship song, and then all of a sudden this ad comes up. And what was a really good day turns into a really sad day because of these animals. And it's like you watch it, and it's like, you only need $19 a month? Is that it? Honey, I think we need to 
I think we need to look at refinancing the home. I think we need to take out a loan to help these dogs. We need to go to the SPCA right now. We need to drop everything we're doing because there are sad dogs out there and we need to save them. We need to adopt one, two, maybe three, four or five would be okay. We have a spare bedroom, six or seven, eight, nine. You know what, honestly, all the dogs. Bring all the dogs in right now. Just come on. How much money do you need? I'll help them. I'll help them. And it's the soft, somber piano music. It just pulls on your heartstrings. Even if they showed happy dogs, you would still cry. But they hook into your emotions, and then all of a sudden, you could have been doing absolutely nothing important at all, and you're grieving, and you have compassion for these animals. Also, I just want to note that basically every animal they showed was a dog, hence, you know, kind of pushing my point. There wasn't a lot of cats there because nobody... Uh, Nobody had cats to film during the, the time of that presentation. So um, if you want, we can put the website on the screen back after service. If you would like to donate, it's $19 a month. You saw it, 63 cents a day. It's one-third of one Tim Hortons coffee. It's amazing, and you can save the world. Continuing on, this also kind of hooked me this afternoon. Anybody heard of GoFundMe before? I want to introduce you to uh, a GoFundMe that's uh, in motion right now. This is very sad, and I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm making light. I am also uh, a dog owner, and if I'm being fully transparent, probably once every three months, I think about the fact that my dog will one day die, and I do actually shed, like, real tears. That's, that's a true story. So I'm compassionate about this, but here he is, Winston's wheels, chest protectors, and vet bills. Winston, a.k.a. Winnie the Roo. Aww. Isn't that nice? He was born with both an underdeveloped sternum and front arms. Because the sternum didn't develop properly in the womb and only has three bones instead of eight, his ribs are not attached to him and his chest is not currently properly protected. Our vet has reached out to a specialist. You get the idea. It's really, really, really sad. And so you can see in the top right-hand corner, $17,597 raised on a goal of $15,000 for Winston a.k.a. Winnie the Rue. Comments underneath said this. We believe in you, Winston. Go, Winston. Lucy the Corgi is cheering you on all the way from Michigan. You got this, buddy. Harper and family are sending you good vibes and hope everything goes well. One person went on to say, we don't deserve dogs, whatever that means. Another person said, get your wheels, Winston. My heart melted. Bless y'all for helping this sweet boy. Every sweet doggo deserves a chance. Heart emojis filled the chat. Who could resist Winston's sweet face? Couple more. You are adorable, Winston. XOXOXO. Good luck, Winston. Love from Giovanni the Corgi. The Corgi seem to be the, the vocal ones in this uh, GoFundMe page. Somebody else said, I can't wait to see Winston have an amazing life. The smile on Winston's face can light up a lot of days. You've got this, Winston. Good luck with your surgeries, Smokey and Bandit. And that is the story of Winston. Now, when we talk about compassion, there are a couple other words that might actually trickle into our mind. Empathy. 
sympathy, and compassion. They are three words that many use interchangeably. And it's a legitimate mistake because these words can be confusing. While these words are near cousins and very closely related in definition, they are not synonymous with one another. Empathy. Empathy is when you are viscerally feeling what another person feels and you're experiencing that empathy. Empathy may arise automatically when you witness somebody in pain, a.k.a. you're going along and you stub your toe and, or you, you see somebody else stub their toe and you look at them, you're like, oh, man, I bet that hurts. You ever done that before? It's like you can feel it even though you didn't stub your toe. The other day I was at home and I, I hit my, my head off this shelf and in empathy as I, you know, collapsed to the floor and was holding it because it really hurt, I hit the corner. I looked up at my, my wife who was laughing hysterically and my in my pain and misery. So I've set up a GoFundMe, and we can put that... No, I'm just kidding. There wasn't a lot of sympathy or empathy in that moment. But you've probably heard this phrase before, and this is kind of where empathy comes from. You'll put yourself in someone else's shoes. That's really the other route to empathy. Now, sympathy. Different word, similar definition. And it can be difficult to differentiate these two words, but here's the main difference. When you are sympathetic, you're not experiencing another's feelings. Instead, you are able to understand what the person is feeling. For example, if someone has a family member that passes away, you may not be able to physically feel that pain in the same way that you would empathy. However, you can understand that they are going through a hard time and that they may be sad. And this is why we send sympathy cards to friends and loved ones. You're not feeling that person's actual pain, but you want them to know that you're aware of their suffering and that you care about them. But compassion, everybody say compassion. Compassion takes this sympathy and empathy and it kicks it up a notch. When you are compassionate, you feel the pain of another, just like empathy, or you recognize that a person is in pain, like sympathy, but then, you take it a step further, and you do what you can to alleviate the person's suffering. Compassion goes above and beyond feeling and turns that feeling into an action. Everybody say compassion. Somebody said it like this. It's an unknown author, but it says, sympathy looks in and says, I'm sorry. Compassion goes in and says, I'm with you. Sympathy looks in and says, I would like to help. Compassion goes in and says, I am here to help. Sympathy says, I wish that I could carry your burden, but compassion says, cast your burden on me. Sympathy often irritates with many words, but compassion helps and hears in quietness and understanding. Compassion. When we have compassion, there is this action that is associated with it. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an understanding, but there is an action that comes with those things. The first time that we hear about the word compassion in the Bible is in the book of Exodus of the Old Testament in chapter 2. Verses 5 to 6, it says this, familiar story to most of us. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. 
Now, to go back, if we think about sympathy and empathy, you know, maybe the baby is crying and she could have felt that empathy. Or maybe the sympathy is, you know, here comes this baby floating in this little basket that's been made. Or if you've seen, you know, seen the movies and the cartoon, he's floating and there's crocodiles and sharks and just everything jumping out at him trying to take him out. Boats hitting him. It's like the busiest canal in the world in that, in that movie. You know, but sympathy, sympathy would have looked something like they walk over to the basket, open it, baby's crying. It's like, oh, this is so sad. And kicked it down the river. But that's not what happened. And you're laughing because it sounds funny. But that's the difference between empathy, sympathy, and compassion. Everybody say compassion. The word compassion is used 12 times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Eight of these references are to Jesus Christ. Jesus was moved with compassion in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the needy multitude. He was moved with compassion in Matthew chapter 14, and again in Matthew chapter 15 when he saw the hungry multitudes without food, and he fed them. The two blind men in Matthew 20, and the leper in Mark 1 also stirred this compassion he had, and he healed all three of them. So did the widow at Nain in Luke chapter 7, verse 13, whose son had just died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus used the word compassion in three of his well-known parables. The king had compassion on his bankrupt servant and forgave his debt in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. The Samaritan, as was talked about this morning, had compassion on the Jewish man and cared for him in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. The father had compassion on the prodigal son as he was returning home, and the father ran out to meet him. Compassion. It means to have the bowels yearn. There's literally this internal feeling to feel sympathy and pity, and to be moved on, but not just to ignore what you're feeling, but to take action in what you're feeling. That's compassion. Jesus did some of his best work, did some of his greatest miracles in the Bible when the Bible mentions that he was moved with compassion. He performed many miracles. We just covered a few. But when Jesus saw people that were in need, when Jesus saw people that were mourning and grieving, and when Jesus saw people that were sick and blind and leprous, he couldn't just go, man, I feel for you. Good luck. He had compassion. He said, I have got to do something about this. I've got to do something. And so when we go back to our opening text tonight, Mark chapter 6, Jesus and his disciples are tired after a long day or maybe a few days of ministering to the people that have come to see them. There's, there's hostility among the Jewish uh, religious leaders, and it wasn't hard to find Jesus or his disciples because everywhere they went, there was a crowd or a multitude following them. John the Baptist had just been murdered by King Herod, and now Jesus and his disciples are looking for a place to recharge, to eat, and to rest. They just wanted to be alone for a little bit. Back to our opening, uh, opening text, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 
to 38. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place and they wanted to just be alone. But, but the crowds, there was just so many people that were marveling at their ministry and there were so many people that were in need and just wanted to reach out or just to talk to Jesus or maybe just have him or one of the apostles pray for them. That even though they, they said, you know what, we just need to, we need to kind of move along, we need to move aside, we need to get out of here for a little bit just so we can recharge. The crowds couldn't get enough of Jesus. And so they see him leaving in a boat and they follow him along the shoreline. They recognize in verse 33, they recognize him and saw him leaving and those people that maybe hadn't got a chance yet to reach out to Jesus said, we've got to follow him because he has something that I need. So they run along the shore ahead of him. And it's like they left the crowd and they get off the boat and the crowd's like, where are you going? What are you doing? We need something from you. So Jesus, he saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. But when he did that, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so, yes, Jesus was tired. No doubt he was hungry. No doubt he might have just wanted to lay down for a little bit, to take a nice Sunday afternoon nap. But when he steps off the boat, he had compassion on them. And so this compassion went into action, and he began to teach them many things. You can also read in the, the Gospels, in the concurrent story, that he, he started to minister, he started to teach, and then he, again, he started to heal their sick. He went right back to doing what he was doing before because he was moved with compassion. Even though Jesus was tired and hungry, he was selfless when he saw the crowd. His compassion compelled him to once more pour out and minister to the multitude. His heart grieved him as he saw the sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as people who needed provision, someone to lead and to guide them, to protect them, to tend and care for them and to nourish them. They needed what he had, and he had compassion. Going on to verse 35, it says, Late in the afternoon, his disciples, and came, they came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. You know what, Jesus? Uh, great idea. Let's just send the crowds home. You know, they, they could go to the farms. They can go to the villages. They can go get something to eat. And Jesus says, wow, you, you seem pretty concerned about their well-being. You feed them. And they're like, with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. So Jesus said, well, what do you have? How much bread do you have? Go and find out. They came back, reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And so the disciples, they're trying to, trying to make a spot for themselves where they say, hey, Jesus, this is a great idea. You're tired. Listen, we're tired. Uh, you need to rest. You need to eat. Listen, just send them away. Just send them home. Just send them to the farms and to the villages, and, and they can get what they need. We care about these people, Jesus. They... We know what's best for these people. I know that they just ran kilometers down the shoreline to follow us, but I think they're hungry. And Jesus calls them out and he says, well, if you're so concerned about them, you can feed them. In contrast to how Jesus 
saw the multitude in this moment. The disciples did not see the multitude the same way that Jesus did. While Jesus was moved with compassion at their sight, the disciples were possibly feeling a little bit frustrated, as you can see it in their conversation with him. They venture off to escape this crowd just to find a place to relax, to lay down for a little bit, but the crowd follows. And the day turns into evening again, and what was supposed to be a time of resting and relaxation becomes a time of Jesus, Jesus ministering to the multitude once again. Here is Jesus ministering, teaching, and healing their sick. And about six or ten feet away, the disciples are sitting over in the corner, you know, arms folded, like blind eyes are being opened, and lame people are walking, and they're just kind of sitting there. You're like, we're tired of this. We need to go do something else. We need to rest. Arms folded, yawning, leaning up against a tree, head tipped back, just trying to take a nap, while Jesus is ministering out of compassion. And so they get this great idea, like, okay, everybody, thank you so much for coming. Jesus is busy. He's real tired. Uh, you, co you come back tomorrow. We're just going to rest a little bit. It's been great. You've been healed. Your eyes were open. You're walking. That's really awesome. I'm really hungry. We just got to shut it down. And they go to Jesus. He's like, listen, we, we appreciate you doing all this and ministering and teaching and, and showing us your ways. But you know what? Let's wrap it up. Let's shut it down. Let's call it a night. So Jesus, again, he offered that solution. Well, if you're so concerned about them, you feed them. And so at first, their first option was let's send them away. But their second option was, well, how are we supposed to feed them? We can't do that. It's going to take us a lot of time and effort and energy. It's going to take a long time to pay back that debt, even if we could find somebody to sell us food for this multitude of people. And so Jesus, in between the lines of the scripture, he begins to, to call them out and figure out what their concern is really about. They weren't looking at the multitude through the eyes of Jesus. Sheep with no shepherd, people who needed healing and guidance and provision. They were more concerned about themselves than the crowd that needed ministered to. And you know what? That is the dilemma of our day that we live in today. We're busy. There's no neglecting that and there's no doubting that. Life can be draining some days, some weeks, some months, and some seasons of our life. We all have days where it feels like we have nothing left to offer, like we're sitting on empty. Sometimes we become accidentally self-absorbed, and also sometimes by our own choice. Often, uh, other times due to the busyness and pressures of life, all we feel like we have time to focus on is ourselves. And so when we see people like the disciples saw people, we have sympathy to offer but we have no compassion. We have sympathy to offer, maybe a little bit of empathy. You feel what they're feeling, but you don't do anything with it. And it's a simple message. But here's my question. When we see people that we go to work with, that we go to school with, that live in our community, when we see our neighbors, do we see them through the eyes of Jesus? Do we see them through the eyes of Jesus? Someone that needs ministered to, somebody that needs leadership and guidance, somebody that needs to be shown the way more perfectly? Or do we say, man, oh, I just wish they'd come to church, but I'm not going to invite them. 
Oh, I wish, I wish they would just know what I know. I wish they could experience what I've experienced. Sympathy, but no compassion. When we see those that are poor, the Bible talks about many that are poor, or widows, orphans, those that are hungry, hurting, or homeless. Do we see those people through the eyes of the disciples that this is now becoming a nuisance because of the effort and energy that it's taking? Or do, do we see them through the eyes of Jesus as sheep with no shepherd? And Jesus recognized that. He said, they want what I have. They need what I have. And they, they realize their need for a leader and somebody who can guide them. They know that they're lost. They know that they're confused. And they're looking for somebody to step out and minister to them. Do we see people through the eyes of Jesus? There's a nonprofit organization. This one's not about animals. It's about homeless people. It's called Humanity Showers in California. And uh, it's, it's an acquaintance of mine that I met many, many years ago, about 10 years ago, and I've probably never talked to him since, but I've had him on social media. And I've been, I've been struck with what he's been doing. And I just want to show you a couple images on the screen in just one second. But their mission statement is this. We believe that every person deserves access to a shower and dignity no matter what. We can come back to the music. We do this on the premises that it's every person's fundamental human right to have access to showers. Seems like a small thing. Weekly, we offer mobile showers throughout North County, San Diego, California. Our goal is to support those in need, assisting them in our best capacity for a better quality of life. To do this, we collaborate with local groups to provide showers, haircuts, hygiene, food, and clothes. Local community members help fund our efforts. Seems like a small thing on the surface. Just providing showers and a little bit of hygiene time for those that are less fortunate, those that are homeless on the streets of California. But somebody saw a problem. Somebody looked out into his streets and into his city and saw a people in need and said, what can I do to help? And obviously, compassion came into the picture. And so he started this, this ministry, I would call it, called Humanity Showers. I want to show you a couple images on the screen. Go to that next slide. This is one picture of a homeless man. I believe his name was Brett. You know, no offense to, to Brett, but if you saw him downtown Fredericton and he was a couple feet away from you and maybe it's getting dark at night on a Saturday night, you'd probably take the hand of your kids, pull your spouse a little bit closer, edge over to the side of the sidewalk just to give them their space because of fear of the unknown. And Brett happened into humanity showers, and so they offered their service to him. You can have a shower. We've got barbers on site. We'll give you a haircut. And so maybe somebody who looked a little bit rough or ruddy on the outside, go to that next picture. That's what he looked like after just 15 or 20 minutes of being at this humanity shower. Next slide. 
He said, oh, this is Danny. This is another person. He said, to me, the toughest part about being homeless is not being able to get a good night's rest. You're always being woken up in the middle of the night and being moved from where you are. You're always looking to be sure you're safe. My name is Danny. I'm 60 years old. I've been homeless for about three years. I don't drink and I don't do drugs, which would be our stereotype. I don't drink and I don't do drugs. Before I was out here, I had a really good job, but I left it. I was struggling with depression and couldn't do it anymore, so I went to the streets. Currently, what makes my day is just a nice, bright, sunny day. That's what makes me happy. My dream, listen to this. This is his dream. Not to get a great job, not to have a nice car, not to have a nice house, not to start a family, not to reunite with loved ones. He said, my dream right now is to get off the street and maybe get into a shelter. I can't really see farther than that right now. I'm just taking it one step at a time. Next slide. There he is. Again, if you saw him on the streets of Fredericton, you might steer away from him, just out of caution, for fear of, of not knowing who he is. But he stumbled into humanity showers, and this is what he looked like after he had had a shower and a haircut. Next slide. And it seems so simple. All that Jordan, who started this in California, and his team do is provide showers and hygiene for those that are homeless. But can you see the difference in his face? Because somebody saw somebody through the eyes of Jesus and had compassion on them. Compassion. You know, I looked it up. I've been curious about this for a while. Talking specifically about homelessness. I looked up how many homeless shelters there is in the province of New Brunswick. As of 2019, the government New Brunswick website or, or the Canada website said there was eight shelters, mixture of men's shelters, women's shelters, collective, all of that sort of thing. There's eight. And so, you know, just out of curiosity, I said, I wonder how many animal shelters there is. There's 10. 10 animal shelters in New Brunswick. And when I saw that, I was like, how does that even make sense? We can be so compassionate about animals. You could see two dogs or two cats fighting on the side of the road, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Somebody break that up, help them. You saw two people fighting in the same spot, you'd be like, hey, get away from that, I don't wanna be near that. We have this, this compassion for so many things, but sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. 10 animal shelters, but eight homeless shelters. It seems a little bit out of balance. So my question tonight is this. When we see the people that we interact with every day, 
Do we see them through the eyes of Jesus? Do we see people and recognize and realize and are we conscientious of the fact that one day they will spend eternity somewhere? Are we often moved with empathy and sympathy but lack the compassion, the drive, the action to do something about it? I close with this story. A young man named Mark was walking home from school one day when he noticed that a boy ahead of him had tripped and he dropped all of the books he was carrying along with two sweaters, a baseball hat, a baseball bat, sorry, a glove and a small tape recorder. Mark knelt and helped the boy pick up his scattered items. Since they were going the same way, he helped the boy carry part of the burden home. As they walked, he discovered the boy's name was Bill, that he loved video games, baseball, history, and that he was having a lot of trouble with his other subjects in school. They arrived at Bill's home first, and Mark was invited in for a Coke and watched some television. The afternoon passed pleasantly with a few laughs, and some, they shared some small talk, and Mark went home. They continued to see each other around school, had lunch together once in a while, they both graduated from junior high school. They ended up in the same high school where they had brief contact over the years. Not best of friends, acquaintances. They would hang out occasionally. Finally, the long-awaited senior year came. And three weeks before graduation, Bill asked Mark if they could talk. Bill reminded Mark of the day years ago when they had first met. Bill asked, did you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things home from school that day? You see, I cleaned out my locker because I didn't want to leave a mess for anyone else. I had stored away some of my mother's sleeping pills and I was going home to commit suicide. But Bill told Mark that he realized he didn't want to die after spending time together talking and laughing and making a friend, which he had lacked up to this point. He said, I would have missed that time with you and many other good times in life that followed. I'm trying to say this, Mark, that you did a lot more for me that day than just pick up those books. You saved my life. Just one small act of compassion. Stand with me all over this room tonight. And so again, I ask the question, and I'm going to open up this altar and we're going to sing, but do we see people through the eyes of Jesus? Or do we see them like the disciples did, as a nuisance, as something that just gets in the way? Do we become self-centered on occasion, missing the mark of what really matters in life? which is people going to heaven one day and spending eternity there. My prayer tonight is that we would all have a refreshing or a baptism of compassion, so to speak, in this house. That when we leave this place tonight, everybody that we see tomorrow or this week or this month or this year, that we would look at them through eyes of compassion and understand that they need Jesus.
They need Jesus. Do you believe that? They need Jesus. I think it was Pastor Justin McKenzie just a few weekends ago when he was here. He said, I just believe when I'm talking to people in my city that they need Jesus. And whether they realize it yet or not, whether they're trying to find fulfillment in everything else, they need Jesus. And we need to see them through the eyes of Jesus and have compassion. Would you lift your hands and close your eyes with me? And I ask that you would pray very sincerely right now that a burden and a wave of compassion would enter into this room and sit on every life and every heart. I'm going to begin to pray, but if you feel that tug in the Holy Ghost, I'm just going to invite you out of your seat around this front as we pray. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for the power of your word and the example that you have given us in Scripture. God, I pray that in this moment, God, like we prayed at the beginning, God, that this seed of the word, God, would fall into the good ground of our hearts. God, I pray that you would give us a fresh revelation. God, I pray that you would give us a fresh understanding. Would you lift your voice with me? I just feel an undercurrent in the spirit moving right now. And I'm not looking for volume, but I am looking for participation. Jesus, would you give us a fresh, a fresh revelation? God, would you baptize us with compassion tonight? This altar is open if you want to come and pray. Would you pray specifically tonight as you come? God, I pray that you would put compassion in my heart. God, maybe where there's been sympathy or even just emptiness or narcissism before, God, I pray that you would put compassion. God, I pray that every person that I interact with this week God, that I would look at them differently than I ever have before. Jesus, we need compassion. God, I pray that we would see through your eyes, not as men see, but God, as you see. All across this place, whether you're in your seat or in the, in the altar today, would you lift your hands? Would you close your eyes? And would you just enter in for a moment? Let's have a time of consecration in this place tonight.